Practical wisdom from the first leader of the Christian Church in Jerusalem. Join me, Pastor Hook, as we study James and how to put our faith into action. So we are in the book of James, and we're going to start in James chapter 1, verse 13, and I think I'll just read verses 13 through 15. When tempted, no one should say, God is tempting me. For God cannot be tempted by evil, nor does he tempt anyone. But each person is tempted when they are dragged away by their own evil desire and enticed. And then after desire has conceived, it gives birth to sin. And sin, when it is full grown, gives birth to death. So, we've been talking about trials and temptations. And the Greek word for that uh, is parasmus. And... um, It means a trial or a test or a temptation. And that's the same word used here, when trial or tested or temptation. Um, And we've been talking earlier about how God allows these trials and tests and temptation and how uh, when he walks beside us through these trials, tests, and temptation, we grow in our faith. But now... James says, when we're tempted, we shouldn't say, God is tempting me. Now, we just said earlier in James that God is walking through us in the trial and he's walking through us in the temptation. Uh, So how, it almost seems like a disconnect to say, well, when that happens, we shouldn't say God is doing that. Well, a couple things to point out. First of all, notice the first word there, when tempted, no one should say, God is tempting me. It's not like the temptations. It's not if we're tempted. It is when we are tempted. Because temptations happen in our life or trials and tribulations happen in our life. They're gonna happen. But the other thing I want to notice here, for God cannot be tempted by evil, nor does he tempt anyone. So it's not explicitly said here, but it's But this temptation that we're talking about is a temptation to do evil. And that is a different temptation or parasmus or trial that exists because God is molding us and shaping us into the person that he wants to be. There's there's two different things going on here. Uh, Although the same Greek word is used and the, the same meaning is behind each Greek word, there's two different concepts going on here. Um... We have in our church, Christ Lutheran Vale, an, an, an analogy of a tree that says God uh, plants the seed and it gets in fertile soil and that seed uh, sprouts and it pops up out of the surface and it turns into a sprout. Uh, and then when it's a sprout, we surround that sprout with other Christians, followers of Jesus, to help water and nurture that sprout until it gets strong enough to be on its own. And then it continues growing for the rest of its life and it starts bearing fruit and the fruit is good. So that's an, actually I have a picture of that image here somewhere. Uh, It's right here. Um, If you're you're, uh, watching online, there's a picture of a tree and underneath the soil, you can see the roots and above the root, above the soil, you can see a strong tree trunk And then on the tree trunk, there's leaves and there's fruit. And that is our image for what a Christian is. Because the bigger the the soil or the bigger the root that's in the soil, the stronger the tree. The two go hand in hand. You can't have a strong tree without a strong root system. 
And if you have a strong root system, the tree will survive even if the tree gets uh, massively damaged above the soil. It's amazing. Uh, sometimes I, well, I walk all the time and I'll see on my walks trees that ha where you can see that, that the soil has come away, uh, but this root system is still strong. Or you might see a, a tree struck by lightning and half the tree gets ripped away and yet this tr the tree is still living and still bearing fruit and all that sort of thing. So that's the image of what we have. So the way I want to talk about trials and tribulations, these parasmases, is there's two things that can influence this tree. The first is God, as the master gardener, can come in and prune the tree. Uh, there are people, I know there's at least one person listening this morning that loves to prune trees. <laughs> Maybe even prune them down to the root. I don't know. Uh, but that's healthy. In the wintertime, right now, my grapes are pretty much dead. But before they grow again in the spring, I need to get out there and I need to cut out all the dead uh, branches and, and just get that system to the very basic uh, part so that when the spring happens, they're healthy, they're healthy trees. The same thing is true with trees that there are times in life when the gardener needs to come in and just prune those trees and get them back. And when that's done, when the tree comes back, it's stronger than ever. Uh, it bears better fruit. Uh, the quality of the tree is better. And it may look when you're doing that to a tree that it is horribly damaging, but it's not. It's actually healthy for the tree. And so that kind of pruning, those kind of trials and tribulations are very, very welcome and we should, we should praise God that he does that to us. It's the same thing as the potter molding us and shaping us to be the beautiful pot that he wants us to be. Or in another analogy is, is, is gold. And the gold gets put in the fire and all the dross gets burned out until it's pure gold. That kind of pruning, that kind of pottery work, that kind of refining is good for us. And all that works towards God's plan. And it is a wonderful thing. On the other hand, there are times when we will pour on our root system or pour on our trees poison. We'll pour Roundup on our tree. It's foreign substance that gets into the tree and gets into the root system. Now, if you're a healthy tree, that Roundup will not kill you. But if you start to pour that Roundup over and over and over again into the soil, even the healthiest of trees cannot fight against a massive amount of Roundup that goes into the soil. So the same thing is true with evil. Remember what we're talking about here. When tempted, no one should say, God is tempting me. For God cannot be tempted by evil, nor does he tempt anyone with evil. That's how I kind of read that. We just finished a long Bible study on the Didache. And in the Didache, we talked about two ways of life. There's the way of life, which is peace, joy, happiness, love, sharing, caring, turning the other cheek, all that kind of stuff. And then there's a way of death. And the way of death is licentiousness and adultery and murder and all the things listed in the Didache, the things of the Ten Commandments. 
that that are prompting the didache. All these types of things, slanderous words, uh, living as an evil person in the world, all that kind of stuff is the way of death. It's like Roundup being put on your root system. That is not healthy. That stuff, a strong tree can fight against it, but if there is enough Roundup being placed on the tree or in the soil, even the strongest of trees cannot fight against it, and eventually it can kill the tree. And that is not good, and God does not do that. God does not place the Roundup or the evil on our root system or in our trees. The the evil comes from us, from us. Listen again to what James says in verse 14. But each person is tempted when they're dragged away by their own evil desire and they're enticed. And then after desire has conceived, it gives birth to sin And sin, when it is full grown, gives birth to death. So this roundup isn't something that's just poured on you. It's a little roundup. And the tree's like, I can deal with this kind of roundup. And so that's okay. And so you say, well, I'll pour some more roundup and pour some more roundup. It's like the frog in the pot and you turn the water on a slow temperature and you slowly, slowly, slowly raise the temperature and the frog doesn't jump out of the pot and the frog gets killed. That's apparently if you want to boil a frog, that's how you do it, right? You don't just put a frog in boiling water because it immediately jumps out. You have to put the frog in temperature. I've never boiled a frog before, so I'm just going with this, but you have to put it in a low temperature. Then you slowly increase the heat and the frog doesn't even realize that it's being killed. Well, the same thing is with this temptation. It's a little bit it's a little bit, and then uh, it's once it's a little bit, then it turns into desire, and then desire turns into sin, and then sin turns into death. And that's how you kill a tree. You don't just pour a bunch of Roundup on it. Well, that's how you kill a frog. You, don't, you, you basically just pour a little bit by a little bit, and it gets worse and worse and worse until it finally kills the tree. Which is why we should avoid evil at all costs. Why we should train ourselves to avoid evil at all costs. Because evil continues to grow and to grow and to grow until it can kill us. So what's a practical example of this? Maybe you, I call this the vortex, that it it begins to spin and then it gets out of control. If you have an addiction, let's say that you... um, uh, I'll take a benign addiction, addiction to, because uh, anything can be addictive. I'll just say gambling. I just saw yesterday a guy, uh, it was a short thing that I saw of a guy who lost $5,000 from gambling and he just freaked out. <laughs> I don't gamble. I, I do actually gamble a little bit uh, without money. <laughs> so, but, um, but anyway, um, and I, I have gone to, uh, I turned 21 at a casino. Or did I turn 18 at a casino? I turned eight. How old was I? I turned one of those ages at a casino. My parents took me. I think it was 21. We went to Las Vegas and uh, and I played blackjack at a $5 blackjack table. Um, and it was fun entertainment. I think the whole evening cost $15 or something like that. It was entertainment. But for some people, they can't handle it. They do it over and over. They like the thrill of the win or loss. 
And so they go back again and again. Of course, now there's online gambling that uh, there are people that are losing money hand over fist because they can't control themselves. And eventually it could destroy them. And you never know if you have an addictive personality in that area or not. And so you have to be very, very careful. If you know there are things out there that could lead you down to a path that could destroy you, you could do one of two things. One is you could, you could have somebody with you to see if this is something that's going to destroy you or not. And if it doesn't destroy you, then great. But if it does destroy you, you need somebody in your life that pulls you back from the brink and says, hey, this type of behavior is destroying you. You do not want to continue in this type of behavior. And that's the problem with the world around us is that there are so many things in the world around us that are, that are in low doses. They're benign. Uh, alcohol. Jesus' first thing was at a wedding in Cana. He made wine. So wine is a good thing. We know that wine is, uh, has in it antioxidants that are very healthy for you. And one of the ways to keep yourself healthy is to have antioxidants. There is certainly nothing wrong with the early church did this. Jesus did this with having a glass of wine. But if it becomes addictive for you, it can throw you down into the pit. Now, the interesting thing is that wine by itself, particularly the wine that they had in the New Testament, wasn't as strong as the wines we create today. We've created technologies to create wines that are a lot more potent than they ever were in the early church. And then we've created alcohols that are very, very strong, that are very, very, very dangerous. And we know that they're dangerous. And so in the 1800s, there was a strong push by the church to say, don't let, don't even go down this path because some of these things are so addictive, you can't control it. And that is so true. There are some of these things. Now, there are some people that are perfectly fine uh, having a glass of wine, but there are other people that, for whatever reason, the glass of wine turns into the bottle of wine that turns into a couple of bottles of wine. And that type of behavior will destroy you. And it's not the wine. It's our own evil desires. It's us. It's us allowing that sort of poison to go deep into the soil. If it's just a, a social thing that's an enjoyment thing and you do it and it doesn't drive you to, to an addiction, then it's okay. But if you have a personality, if you're not connected with other people, if you have not built the ability to, to, to refrain from the temptation of going farther in any of these addictions then they can destroy you. They can be poison to you. And anything that can lead to that is a huge temptation that can destroy you. God would say, just don't let any of these temptations happen. Don't let your desires be fulfilled till it gets to death. And there are a lot of desires and temptations out there. And God is not behind any of them. 
God does not tempt you with these evil desires. That's Satan that is tempting you with evil desires. And Satan will come in like a fox. He'll come in like a roaring lion. He'll come in a, a sheep, a wolf in sheep's clothing. And he'll try to show you that, hey, this isn't that bad. This, uh, this is not a bad thing at all. And if you're surrounded by people who love you and you are able to, um, to resist these temptations, they don't go any further, then, then they don't lead you down into the path. But Satan is a tricky guy. And he wants to take anything that is good and turn it into something that is evil. As a matter of fact, that's what the whole Ten Commandments is all about. It's, it's taking something good and Satan twisting it and turning it into something that's bad, bad, bad until it finally kills you. At least the, the, the first commandment, have no other gods before me. The reason why there are that God said have no other gods before me is because we can take other things in our life that are good, that are very good, and place them in a higher position than God in our life. And then they control every decision that we have as opposed to God controlling every decision we have. And when that happens, that thing can become evil in our life. It can become poison in our life. Even a good thing can become poison in our life if we place it at a higher level than God in our life. If God is the primary force in our life, then all things kind of work for good. But if, if you put something else in the primary position over God in your life, it will destroy you. It will kill you. It will be, eventually, it could be the poison that destroys the tree in your life. And that's not God's doing. That's our doing. We do it when we're tempted and we're enticed. And then the desire is enticed and then desire conceives and it gives birth to sin. And then sin, when it is full grown, gives birth to death and it can kill us. It's, it's what I call this vortex or the spiral. And at the, at the top end, it may not seem like it's a big deal, but over time it can spiral and it can turn to death. That's why it is so important to resist every temptation. That's why it's so important if you have a grievance with somebody, a family member, that you go and you talk to that family member. Now, is it going to turn into a spiral of death? No. It may be lost and forgotten, and, and you may be able to go on forward with your life not being angry at this family member or, or your spouse or your children. But if, it, if, it's, if you do not confront it, if you do not deal with any of these types of sins, it can spiral slowly at first. It's like the outside of that, that coin funnel that just goes around the coin funnel. But eventually there's enough energy that it can spiral down and destroy you. This is why it's so... And I've seen this in my own life. I remember in high school being very angry with my mother and it was not going anywhere. I was, I was trenching in my heels. She was trenching in her heels. And this thing was spiraling out of control. And my dad saw it. And he came and he talked to me. He says, this thing is spiraling out of control. You need to deal with it. You have to do Matthew 18 and go and talk and discuss. And we did. And it didn't spiral out of control. It stopped it in its tracks. But I often wonder if my father hadn't... Because I'm a pretty proud person. <laughs> it may not seem like it, but I'm... A, pretty proud person. 
if I didn't have intervention from somebody to see what was going on and to tell me what was going on, I wonder how far out of control it could have gotten and where would it have been? And I can almost guarantee that there are people listening to this or you know of situations where it got out of control and it's led to death. And God doesn't do that. God is not the source of this. Satan is the source of this. So you should never say when you're tempted that God is doing the temptation. Now, it is okay if God is pruning to say God is doing the pruning. That is perfectly fine because God does prune. God allows things to happen in your life which force you to dig deep, to grow your roots, to, to call upon God and His Holy Spirit to, to help you grow in your life. And He will be there and He'll walk beside you and He'll carry you through the, that thing. And then through that, you become the beautiful tree, the healthy tree, the beautiful pot, the refined gold that he wants you to be. But on the other side, the poison, he's not in charge of that at all. And that can give birth to death. He is the author of life, not the author of death. So I think we'll end it there. Um, thanks for joining me today. Uh, let's, let's close with prayer. Dear God, continue to prune me and grow me so that I may be the tree that you want me to be. But God, when other temptations arise that are poison for me, help me resist them through your spirit. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.